What's the one thing your teacher always told you about essays? Write a rough draft first. No matter how great a job you think you did, there's always some little thing you miss. In fantasy football, you sometimes need to do that with your rankings. With training camp, free agency, and position battles constantly raging, there's always something that can be fine-tuned. The Ruts boys have our updates, and we're going to be sharing it with all of you. That, and nothing crazy happened over the weekend. Nothing at all. Just ask the Bills. Or Zeke. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Run Up the Score. I am Donald Wagonblast. Alongside me, as always, my brother Scott. Hey, hey. And our good friend Tommy Two Times, Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Very nice. Welcome to another week of uh, preseason, of another week of training camp, and uh Last week it was a great week to be the Baltimore Ravens because nothing bad happened, and this week it's a great week to be a Miami Dolphin because uh, nothing bad happened to them this week. Yeah, dolphinately. Dolphinately for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to see uh, how Cutler fits in with that offense. We've got actually a little bit to talk about with uh, the um, with the Dolphins. We're going to get to that in a little bit, um, but. Like I said in the open, we're going to be talking about some updates that we've made to our rankings that we think you guys are going to be the uh, need to be aware of. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about lots of different things. So hopefully everybody's excited. But first, we do need to get to the big story from this uh, from this weekend. Of which uh, there are. A couple. I was being very facetious. A lot went down specifically on Friday. Um, so in let's like just start an with, hour and a half. My honestly, phone like, was going crazy. Honestly, right? Like I was at I was getting pizza for for lunch on Friday, and when I got to the pizza place and ordered my food, the Zeke suspension was announced. And then I got back, the uh, first Bills trade was announced. Timeline you'll get nowhere else. Yeah, went to the bathroom. <laughs> Very important information. And by the time I got out of the bathroom, the Bills made their second trade, and it was all in a matter of fifteen minutes. Did yep. you wash your hands? Of course. Before and after. So yeah. how'd you know that quick when you checked your phone? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you didn't wash your hands, be more impressed by the timeline. <laughs> no, you got to wash, wash your hands. Good we hand a... wash is supposed to take about two minutes. Fair enough. Run the score. throws that whole timeline off. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the score. A very pro hand-washing podcast. We want to make that very clear. Uh, but let's talk about Zeke. The suspension was announced. We had gotten inklings that it was going to be by the end of the week uh, on Wednesday. It does end up coming out Friday afternoon. He gets six games, which I was surprised by. I thought he was going to get somewhere in somewhere between two and four. Uh, but six sends a very clear message, which obviously the NFL felt that it needed to do. Um, I thought they had a great move of publishing the letter that they sent him. And I'm glad that that got out so that people could... Uh, could read that, and if you haven't read it, it's available on the internet. You should definitely take a look into it because it does seem like there was a lot that we weren't sure about. Um, so we've retweeted it. Yeah, we. Oh, we have. Perfect. At yeah, Ruts FF. I check think, out our I, think I, I might have retweeted it as well, and I could bring it back up. But um, well, you tweeted it. Yeah, and then we retweeted it. Okay. Okay. I see what you mean. Um, I analyzed the the letter uh, very much, so I read through it a lot, and. Um, it seemed to me that the NFL was really trying to make a big stand against, uh, you know, domestic violence and, and physical abuse cases. As it should. As it should, no doubt. And um, they did their own independent research. A lot of people were upset with, you know, why it, why can he get ruled with such a hard suspension when the police department uh, ruled it as, you know, as a no trial, as, as you know, no contest, really. Um, and it's because the NFL has their own code of conduct just like you know where you where you guys may work um they have their own code of conduct where they can make their own determination and they did months obviously with oh, how long this took a year of research. basically almost a full year of research and um you know from what i read in the letter it 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 really seems like it happened and um they weren't gonna let it slide and uh you know, I, I commend them for that, for all their faults in the past with that ruling. It's unfortunate for for Zeke. Um, hopefully he uses it to learn. But um, it seems like they have, you know, picture evidence, text evidence, timeline evidence that has been corroborated by, uh, you know, medical analysts, forensic scientists. It's it's 
it's very strongly backed, and I don't think he's going to win any appeal at all. So he did have three days to appeal. I I believe he has done that. Yeah. So um, no, he can't file until tomorrow. Oh, he can't file or until Tuesday. Tomorrow. Sorry, sorry. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, so yeah, I mean, but he intends to. Right. He's going to. He just yeah. this is nothing official yet. The uh, the suspension obviously kind of segues into our topic for this week. We are talking about our updated rankings, and you know we we. I don't like to call it a better, what better reason to, to have to update our rankings. But I mean, you know, this is, you know, one of the more difficult situations that I can think of in, involving a player getting suspended, um, especially this close to the regular season. We're talking about, you know, there's 24 days until the pre until the regular season starts. So, you know, it's going to be tough. I feel very bad for Mara in our Internet Celebrity League. If yes. you're not sure what I mean when I say that, make sure you go back and listen to the Internet Celebrity League uh, episode. But um, So I feel badly for her. I feel badly for anybody who drafted early. But, I mean, you knew this was a possibility. Again, the six games was really what stood out for me. Um, I gasped audibly in the middle of the pizza place. And everybody was like, are you okay? And I was just like, yeah, your pizza's great. Leave me alone. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean... I don't think it's going to be appealed. I think you made a very good point, Scott. And, you know, I did. I read the letter. I don't think I went into it as much as you did. But I feel like they wouldn't have levied this level of a suspension without feeling like no matter who heard the appeal, it was going to get called back. And so now we have this question of what are we going to do about Zeke? Yeah, so to bring it back to fantasy, obviously his draft stock is going to be affected innumerably so <clears throat> when you're building your team we always talk about how you can take these risks or how you can play it safe and now drafting zeke is a gigantic risk huge a huge one the biggest i think risk in in the in fantasy this season is where you're going to pick him and how you're, how you're going to try and construct your team but continue yeah there are ways to sort of uh, weather the storm without him. Your Alfred Morris's, Jaquiz your Rogers. Jaquiz Rogers. And we're going to talk about some strategies like that, I'm sure. But, you know, just sacrificing that maybe now second round pick if you're in the back end or maybe he slips to the third, that's still a position in the draft where you're building your nucleus of your team. And for you guys, I'm just wondering where you'd feel comfortable picking him at. Now. Well, I think I should just interject with one quick thing before we get to what Scott is planning to do with his approach to Zeke. The Cowboys have a bye week in week six. So with a six game suspension, he's out weeks one through five. The Cowboys have a bye week week six that doesn't count towards Zeke's suspension. So he then cannot play in week seven. So when you're drafting Ezekiel Elliott, the first week that he will be available for you to put in your starting lineup where he'll actually give you points because I'm sure some idiots are going to do it and like take the zero starting Zeke. Um, but so we're talking about week eight is when he's going to be able to actually produce for you. And that's half, that's over half the fantasy season. The regular season goes until week 13. So more than half of your regular season is going to be played before you can put Ezekiel Elliott into your starting lineup. And so that needs to factor in. Now, with that said, Scott, have you thought about where you would take him? Have you taken him off of your draft board completely? If you were playing GM um where where does this suspension leave you with him so um you know when I redid my rankings and relooked through my rankings I was trying to think of where he slots in where his value equates after missing that many games and I had him ranked I believe it was my 23rd overall running back um right behind Spencer Ware and Spencer Ware is going in the sixth or seventh round right now. So for me personally, my own personal value, I don't think I would pick Zeke earlier than around the sixth or seventh round unless my team was very rock steady or, you know, maybe there's some different rules in the league where like, you know, maybe in my bonus league, um, you know, I like to draft receivers in that league that hit the bonus. So maybe I'll pull Zeke early and and pick those later guys at the Sean Jackson, those Tyrell Williams types of guys who can hit those bonuses. But if you're playing in a normal league and you're willing to give up your second or third or fourth round pick, these are guys you're relying on every single week. Absolutely. And and for me, I need to, I if I'm picking a guy that early, I'm picking him with the expectation that he's going to be in my lineup basically from week one on. This is kind of where me and Tom I was gonna differ say, a little bit. Yeah. But for me personally, you know, it's just it's too much for me. And yeah. again, 
he's got eight weeks basically with no team activity. Who knows? Who knows what can happen in that time? He could easily get in trouble or suspended again. I'm not rooting for it. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Tom, let's get your uh, your retort to what Scott just. So there's a couple ways to look at this from the mind of a more risky player like myself. You can equate it to is Zeke plus handcuff, be it uh, Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris if he steals the job, or even using Jaquiz Rogers to bide your time, does that give you still an RB1 over the course of the season? Because you know, th- you're know you using them together. You're not going to use them uh, you're, I mean, you're not using them together. You're using them one by one rather than both in your lineup at once. And then the other thing that I really, really like to harp on is how many people in your league make the playoffs out of the league amount. So say it's a 10-man league and six people make the playoffs. If you can get it done on the waiver wire and you can put Zeke into your lineup, fresh legs for those important weeks in the fantasy playoffs, you have a crazy advantage. But if you're in, you know, a lot of ESPN leagues do this where there's the, the two, two week playoff games. Right now I'm in a 12 man where only four people make it. That's a lot riskier for me to draft Mm -hmm. Zeke and sacrifice that, that very valuable draft position. Right. Right. And the only last point that I can think of is that if you are playing all the way till week 16 or even week 17, um, you get 10 games of Zeke, right? And just about. Yep. And he gets 100 yards a game. So you're Unless still Unless he plays the Giants. So you're still getting <laughs> you're still getting 1000 yard back just at the back end of the season. It's as if you drafted him and then he got hurt, you know, like week 1. You're not going to drop him. Right. Right, and that does present an issue because you've got a guy who you cannot drop because someone will pick him up if you dropped Zeke. I think to try and find the safest way, for those of you who are in keeper leagues, like if let's say I took let's say I took advantage of Le'Veon Bell's suspension and got him in the second round last year, and he's the guy who I'm keeping. Right. I got my first round pick, I take, you know, my top wide out, whatever. I take I I have my keeper Le'Veon Bell. Third round, maybe a top receiver, maybe I get Gronk late. Fourth round, I've already got Le'Veon Bell, and there's, you know, to me, as I'm looking at it, like, Scott, you brought up Spencer Ware. I don't see a lot of difference between Spencer Ware and Danny Woodhead, who's going a few rounds later than Ware in pretty much any draft that I've seen. So if I feel like I can get Zeke in the fourth or fifth round after I've got three studs that I'm very confident in, even if one of them ends up being my keeper... That's a point where I feel like I might be able to strike because I'm if I am lucky enough to actually have depth at the running back position on my team. But again, you're rolling the dice. It's you know you do get your nine weeks of Zeke, which you know could swing your league. But you know how quickly can things change in fantasy football? The you last know? note for that really is it makes a it, it is emphasizing how roster construction is so important. But the problem is, is you don't get to get that preview of what your roster construction is going to look like with Zeke because he's likely going to leave the board so soon. Right. So now you're just hoping that things will work out down the rest of the draft. So basically to all you who are drafting Zeke, given the current state of things, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing too, I would say have a round in mind where you say, okay, if Zeke is here for me, I'm going to pick him. And don't worry about how the other picks are going. Just make sure your round is there. Don't don't listen to the other people in the draft room saying, oh, who's going to take Zeke? I'm going to take him in the second round. Have your round set so you can, like Tom said, construct your roster. And you know at that point you're picking Zeke. You're losing him for that amount of weeks. Let me move forward. Perfect. And speaking of moving forward, about 15 minutes after Zeke and the Zeke suspension was announced, the Bills kind of just started playing Madden. In real life, and just making a bunch of trades and like getting their like fantasy dream lineup together. Um, so first, they send Sammy Watkins to the to the Los Angeles Rams to for, join up with Robert Woods, which yeah. was very interesting. Yeah. So whoever, I wonder if he's even happy. 
Like Robert, Woods? Robert Woods. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, I just escaped the shadow of Sammy Watkins. And now what, did, Sammy Watkins. what did they see that was, what did the Rams see that was like, all right, we're going to get Woods and Watkins, so we'll be ready? They're like, yeah. our offense sucks. Their offense is. Was better. All right. Kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so they, make the, so they make the Sammy Watkins trade. Uh, they get EJ Haynes in a second round draft pick for him. Uh, EJ Haynes, a cornerback. So they get EJ Haynes, and then they're like, oh, we got one cornerback. Let's get rid of a cornerback. We traded away one receiver. Let's get a wide receiver. They send uh, Ronald Darby to the Eagles for Jordan Matthews and a third round pick. So a lot of people are reading tea leaves and saying this is the Bills quasi tanking because they're going to go into next year's draft with two first, second, and third round picks, which is draft rich, and if you want to call and it that. Tyrod's contract pretty open so they, right. c- they can look to rebuild with a quarterback if they feel like it um quickly on Darby reason why that uh they said that they were so willing to let him go they didn't he didn't really see eye to eye with McDermott's defensive schemes apparently um oh, okay. he's looking for more of a zone scheme and they didn't really see eye to eye so it made sense yeah. for them to make that move for Matthews it seemed like they were working both of these trades at the same time had to have that. as it was such a, a quick position swap yeah it was that, almost it basically was like a three-team trade yeah and of and of course unfortunately for Jordan Matthews he shows up to Bill's camp and he chips a, a bone in his sternum and it's gonna put him week to week like maybe one like couple hours or two days after he might have got there it's just unfortunate 15 but, minutes into practice yeah horrible Similar to uh, when Andrew Bogut got traded, got uh, picked up by the Cavs and broke his leg two minutes into his first action. Yeah, uh, very similar. Yeah, but um, so I guess what we need to do now is assess the fantasy impact on all of these teams. Let's start with the Rams uh, because they got the big piece. Uh, Sammy Watkins a lot higher than Jordan Matthews on our rankings and rankings pretty much everywhere else. Um, so how do we see Sammy Watkins fitting in? This was a team that did not go deep a lot. When they did, they went up to a big possession guy. This trade um, moved my Sammy Watkins and Jordan Matthews. It closed the gap between those two very much. So I think this spells tragedy for Sammy Watkins, unfortunately. Um, it doesn't seem as though they really have an offense that is built to go deep. Jared Goff, very low uh, yards per attempt last year. Um, drafted Cooper Cup, used Tavon Austin in a short passing game. Love the running game. And then you start to look at who he's going to face. Patrick Peterson, one-on-one, twice a year. Richard Sherman, one-on-one, twice a year. He's not going to face slouch defenses in the NFC West. Uh, It's just he's going very early still, and I was never that high on him. And now, unfortunately for him, because I do love the talent, I'm even lower on him. I can't disagree. He moved down in my rankings, even though I was very bullish on uh, Sammy Watkins. I don't even think I'll be able to start him week one in the Internet Celebrity League. I'm probably going to swap him out for your Larry Fitzgerald or something like that. Um, It kind of breaks my heart, but then it warms my heart again now that we have this uh, Zay Jones revival again right. his yeah. his his fantasy value has been a roller coaster yeah i was gonna say when they made the sammy watkins trade i just want to know the elation that you felt in the 10 minutes before the jordan matthews trade was announced because you must have just been like this is it it's really <laughs> happening it's all coming together like it was it was there he was i was pumped. it looked like zay jones was just had the keys it was so interesting um, because Zay Jones went from they sign he's the number two receiver they sign Anquan Bolden he goes to the number three receiver basically we would assume sure then Sammy Watkins gets traded you assume he moves up into that number one receiver role and then they get Matthews it seems like he moves back down and then Matthews gets hurt it's been like such a roller coaster for our boy Zay that um, it's exciting but I think with the addition of Jordan Matthews and even with him being hurt George I mean Zay Jones is going to have the the outside of the field that perimeter play to himself. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like it. it seems like Matthews and Bolden were going to operate in Inside. the same range of routes. Like it seemed like they were both going to be over the middle. They were going to give you your hooks. They were Bolden's going to give you been your a slot guy. routes. Bolden's Bolden was... been a slot guy for for a couple of years, I'd say, exactly. especially with Detroit. He was great in the slot last year. Fantastic. And right. you know, Matthews obviously will work predominantly out of the slot. That's yeah. where he has most of his successes as well. And the one team we haven't talked about yet is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they had they just had a piece leave. They didn't bring anybody else in on the offense. 
you know, maybe their defense ends up looking a little bit better now if you're a streaming option. I don't think they're a defense that's like a must draft if you're trying to like lock in a defense for the entire season. So now that Matthews is gone, let's, you know, reassess the pieces they've got. Jeffrey and Smith were acquisitions. They've got Aguilar as a carryover. Um, you know, Blunt was brought in at, at the running back. We know he's not really a factor in the passing game, so they still have Sproles, and they've got Zach Ertz. So where do the targets now lie? Because Jordan Matthews was easily the favorite target of Carson Wentz, especially early on, and I would say it stayed pretty consistent for most of last season. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It seems like Jordan Matthews had, you know, not just that target impact. He actually had, like, a pretty significant impact with the rest of the guys on the team. Um, I'm going to read a quote directly from uh, Malcolm Jenkins. From a personal standpoint, basically every time I do one-on-ones, it's against Jordan Matthews. If I stay after to do releases with receiver, it's going to be him. So for me, in my everyday preparation, now I have to find a new Jordan Matthews. I, and I know it's going to be tough because a bunch of guys, whether it be Carson Wentz, Trey Burke, Zach Ertz, he's had a big role in a lot of their lives, not just what he does on the field. So it's interesting. It seems like Matthews was kind of a glue guy to that whole offense. And don't you don't you guys kind of agree that like you'll see that on the field a little bit too? He, he was that glue guy on the field for them as well. Looking forward, um, me and Tom were huge on Nelson Aguilar a couple of years ago. <laughs> His rookie year, yeah, you did for it. Don't tell the fans. At the stake. But, um, you know, maybe he has more chance. I think the targets, the underneath target share is going to be split between Ertz and Sproles for the most part with a little Aguilar sprinkled in. I like Ertz. I think he gets a good boost with Matthews gone. I agree that Ertz gets a little bump, but I love what you said about Jordan Matthews being a glue guy, even in terms of just the offense rather than even just the locker room. But the way I said it before, and I really felt strongly about it, was that everything had its place in the Eagles' offense. There right. was the big guy, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, and Jordan Matthews, who's now going to be forced to perform in the slot where he did his best. Your speeds are on the outside with Torrey Smith. It, yeah, it so like, like now things are kind of uh, falling apart a little bit, and Alshon's still got those soft tissue injuries, which we can't totally ignore. So even though I've been happy to push Alshon, I, I think i got to move him down a little bit now. Uh, I don't think he's meant to be the only show in town because once he goes down, like, you know, the Eagles receiving core is going to have a lot of question marks over the period of this season. I can see waiver wire guys being trendy on the Eagles roster. You got um, Matt Collins, who had the touchdown this week with Carson Wentz. Right. So that could be a preview of what the ones look like. Great news for fantasy owners. The Packers defense still hasn't learned how to tackle because <laughs> that was embarrassing. And then you got guys like uh, deep ball guys like Bryce Treggs from last year. Mm-hmm. So two G's. So that guy gets brought up again now. You know he didn't like necessarily break the lineup, but with the injury history of Alshon, with the exit of Jordan Matthews, there's room for it. So we got to be on the lookout, and we'll keep you all in the loop on it. Yeah, it's um, you know we we were gonna I I suggested let's do an emergency episode. Friday night, we ended up not doing that and giving you guys the uh, the super special fantasy memory episode. I had I don't know about you guys, I had several people like text me like, "Oh my gosh, like that brought up such great memories," and like yeah. it ended up being like I had a bunch a big conversation with it about my about it with my friends. Um, but so we ended up not doing that, and we kind of wanted to see what it looked like at practice for these teams. And it was actually funny because Sammy Watkins was traded on Friday. The Rams had their first preseason game. Saturday, right? So that he could have played in two preseason games in week one of the preseason. <laughs> I'm sure there's a rule against it, but like it would have been fun. Sammy yeah. Watkins um, not a guy that needs to no, play in extra no. games. If anything, they should have just like put him on the plane in bubble wrap and like <laughs> and just said do not open until September 10th. <laughs> yeah, but um, but anyway, um, we've got some other news that we need to be talking about. These are just little tidbits that we feel like you guys need to know about. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars have two. One of them's a major player. The other one could have been a guy you keep your eye on, eye on in the waiver wire. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been missing practice with a foot injury. Doesn't seem too serious. Kind of similar to the Amari Cooper thing. Maybe they're just keeping him out to keep him ready for the season. It's a lingering one for but Fournette, it's though, so it's definitely, definitely something to pay attention yeah. to, especially for how high he's going. With I, Fournette, I would like to mention that was his uh, mo in college too. You know, he had the just ankle his last injury. Year. Yeah, but. I mean, that's his most recent year. Absolutely, right. So you don't want these things compiling. You know, an ankle injury leads to a foot injury, leads to this, leads to that. When they don't give information on it, 
with Leonard Fournette, it sketches me out. When they don't give information on it with like Marquise Lee, who was carted off, and well, all we do that. have more information about him because he well, was. It was know. a scare more than anything. Well, right. they just confirmed today he's got a high ankle sprain. Okay, it was so, very much like Sterling Shepard. Yeah, like he escaped, but he's still going to be out there. Hopeful Marquise Lee is back. Um, you know, in time for Week One, but in the meantime, Allen Robinson. So I don't know. Either way. <laughs> I am still sketched out even more now that they have a diagnosis for Lee, but no specific details about Fournette. Yeah. Uh, just one thing to note: we've got uh, we've got Marone who said he wants to be a big physical run team. They want to throw the ball zero times a game. They bring in Tom Coughlin as the executive vice president of football operations. In the last three years that Tom Coughlin was the Giants head coach, the Giants were statistically the most injured team. In the NFL, they had the most starters miss time with injuries. So just be careful because, you know, over being overworked can lead to injuries. Yeah, I don't And some s- of you Jaguars fans are probably like, leave Blake Bortles out there. Just <laughs> let him go. If he gets hurt, he, if he dies, he dies, you know. But, um, but yeah, just something to keep track of, certainly for Fournette, because a lot of people are drafting wide receiver in the second round or in the first round and getting Fournette as their number one running back in the second round. Personally, that's not something I'd want to do, especially with his foot and ankle trouble still lingering so many months after the fact. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to sound not PC. I'm not trying to call Tom Coughlin old, but he may be old school, you know, and there was a big stress on the camp this year for the Jaguars about being more physical. So that might lead to what you were hinting at, Don, is that you know when Tom Coughlin's in charge, he likes to let the uh, let, let the, the boys, boys play. play. <laughs> exactly, lets it go a little bit, and um, you know you don't want to let it go too far because you can lose some key guys. I think I might have just came up with a new segment for us. We got to find like stupid excessive celebration penalties and drop the Coach Herman Boone from Remember the Titans, let the boys play sound. <laughs> Let us know what you think about that segment. Well, that'll be on like Instagram or Twitter. It won't be. We can't have like a, a extended celebration on a podcast. True. True. You're right. I'll, I'll do the celebrating. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Dolphinately? For, for sure. sure. All right. Good. All right. Now let's get to the uh, the meat of the sandwich for our episode today. Uh, we're doing some rankings updates. We uh, we decided to all of us take a look at our rankings, and we're not going to give you the full rundown because that would have given us another eight-hour day in the studio, and we're not trying to do that uh, and burn ourselves out. So we're just going to be talking about guys that we looked at our rankings and we think our, their stock is rising, and we looked at some guys and said, you know what, their stock is falling. And you're not going to hear us repeat anybody that we've mentioned already, the Zeeks, the Sammy Watkinses, uh, the Jordan Matthews of the world. So we're just going to kind of take it position by position. And let's start with quarterback. Um, anybody have an inkling to go first? Um, I'll start because right, um, I was the only one to bring up a faller. We'll start on the negative note so you guys can bring it home on a nice positive note. Um, the guy who's falling for me, I don't think it'll be a surprise to anybody who has really been listening to us, Andrew Luck. Um, as the days go by, you know, when I remember when we started the QB rankings, um, Tom said and we all agreed that we need to start giving Andrew Luck more of a veteran treatment where as he when he's not in camp and stuff early on, it's okay. It's Andrew Luck. He's going to make it out and he'll be fine. Well, I think it's time to start panicking on Andrew Luck. Um, I read a quote from Jim Ursay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys have a listen on that too. He said, I can't say unequivocally that he, Luck, will be ready for the Rams game, but I can say I feel very confident that he will be ready to start the season. Well, Jim Mercy, the season already started, number one. And <laughs> number two, you don't sound very confident about him playing against the Rams. I understand what he meant about the week one thing. The season already started. Andrew Luck hasn't done anything yet. And they have literally shown no sign of him doing anything. So for me, it's time to panic. And I moved him down in my rankings to a respectable 10th. I had him at fifth. But, you know, as the days go by, he's going to drop further and further for me. And, um, it's just there's a lot of unsureness about the entire Colts team for me. I saw uh, the other day another Colts lineman went down, and now it's looking like their line is going to be in even more flux, uh, just like last year. And it was it's already just, fluxed. Up. Right, exactly. It's just there's there's 
There's just too much going on. I, I like I really like the spot that he landed in for you, Scott, because you got him at ten. So if he starts to miss time, he's gonna be in that position where there's a lot of other guys who are gonna be able to give you exactly what luck is gonna give you on a week to week basis. And at ten, you're basically saying I prefer luck over Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, like those, all those kinds of guys, Andy Dalton. He's so, in that group of conversation. I right. think that my rankings um, aren't exactly on par with the standard rankings. Like I, I still have Mariota and Philip Rivers rated ahead of Andrew Luck. Right. But you know your your Dak Prescotts and your Cam Newtons and and guys like that. I, right. I have below him. So he's in that that back end QB one mix for me right yeah. now. Yeah, and you know I I think that his ADP right now is higher than basically every guy we've said. And even just talking about the guys who By are getting rounds. drafted. Yeah. And even the guys who are getting drafted around when Andrew Luck's getting drafted. I'd rather have Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Drew Brees. Matt Ryan. I'd rather have Derek Carr. I'd rather have Matt Ryan, who is my rising quarterback. I moved him up from eight to five. I think my initial rank, I was just so bought in to the regression. But you got but for those of you who maybe were in the same line of thinking that I was, you gotta remember that Matt Ryan has been a top ten fantasy quarterback. Almost his entire career. So he's really good. And he's coming off the best season he's ever had. And he's kept every single one of his weapons from the best season he ever had. We think Hooper's going to make the leap at tight end, especially Tom. We've got Freeman. We've got Coleman. If Freeman's concussion issues continue. Julio, I just read a report today that they're looking to get him more involved in the red zone this year. Which, finally. You know I love to hear that. Only, what, eight years too late for that? But um, So I just think I was down on him, but I think I was too down on him. I don't think he'll get to the number two you know, quarterback like he was last year, but I certainly think he's going to give you top 10 value. And I think at his current ADP, he's getting drafted behind, you know, like I said, he's getting drafted behind Andrew Luck, and I don't think that that makes any lick of sense. Yeah, I think that if there's a guy who can flirt with that top, the you know, the that top three tier, that Breeze, that Brady, and the Rodgers. I think that if if you're going to say Matt Ryan's the next one to come off the board, I'm not going to argue with you because of what you said. They have great weapons, and um, they don't particularly play against many threatening defenses. Their schedule will be tougher this year because of how they finished last year. I think that they're going to be more prepared for success this year, though, as well. You know, we've seen the Falcons be so up and down. I think this year is – I think they have a different – Mentality, and I agree with you. I think Matt Ryan, you know, is going to be great again. Tom, who who's the biggest mover um, in your quarterback rankings? It might sound surprising given you know the recent events, but I actually like reaffirming this position to the people listening right now. I have Tyrod Taylor moving up from eighteen to thirteen. He finishes as a top. Uh, fantasy player every year depending on how you score rushing depending on how you score passing touchdowns he's um, a five touchdown rushing quarterback three years in a row he has great rushing stats that are gonna lift you up weekly you know what I'm saying like he has the Jets week one so granted if he doesn't have Jordan Matthews right how many times did he not even have Sammy Watkins and he's still getting these good finishes right right so when you look at his schedule in the beginning, he won't have like a Jordan Matthews, let's say. And I don't want to say Zay Jones is going to carry him or anything like that. But he's got the Jets. Then he's got the Panthers, who were exploited. And then he's got the Broncos, who you probably aren't going to play him against anyway. Right. And if you're drafting him, you're drafting him so late. so you can. And you're also probably drafting another quarterback with him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you'd be able to interchange for week three. Week four, the Falcons. So it's really not a, a tough go in the beginning. Latest case scenario, I think that Jordan Matthews would come back is after their bye in week six. And then you've still got the Dolphins twice. You've still got all of these good matchups coming for Tyrod, and he's going to get it done with his legs. His rushing stats are worth mentioning. And let's not forget Shady, too. Like, LaShawn McCoy is a a big help out of the backfield. Absolutely. The dump downs. He scored a lot of receiving touchdowns last year. On plays where Tyrod just kind of escaped the pocket and used McCoy as his, as a safety valve. A lot of times he would fake the handoff to McCoy, take off running himself too. So McCoy has been such a big asset for Tyrod. It's 
it's it's unfortunate that he lost Watkins, but obviously losing Shady would have been so much worse for Tyrod. Yeah. Last year, 580 rushing yards. The year before, 568 rushing yards. Those numbers are really only rivaled by Cam Newton, who actually falls short to those marks on multiple years. Hashtag stats. And that's a consistent trend so far. Like Cam Newton started out in like the 700s, right? But then he gets sort of figured out, and you see him dip down, come back up in that MVP season, dip down like crazy last year. I'm not calling for that with Tyrod because his numbers aren't in that 700. It's not like Michael Vick. It's not like this crazy thing that you have to stop. It's that he's creative, he makes it happen, and he picks up those yards, and he gets you 575, let's call it, rushing yards a year. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I would just warn, if you're in one of the leagues that kind of alters its scoring statistics, if passing touchdowns are made equal to rushing touchdowns, meaning they go from four points, which is standard, to six, I think Taylor kind of loses a little bit of his value, but not much because he's outrushing so many other quarterbacks. He's also very good with uh, managing the ball. He, he rarely turns the ball over. So, like, he's not, like... He's rarely taking points away from your team. He's he's just adding it's it's but he's adding it in a different way. It's not as as sexy as Aaron Rodgers zipping balls in for touchdowns and 250 yards in the first quarter, but it's methodical and it's through the game plan type of thing where at the end of the game if the Bills are are any semblance within the game, Tyrod's going to get you those numbers. And yep. he's free. Free. Yeah. There are a lot of quarterbacks like that out there too. Yeah, like Ben Roethlisberger gets taken ahead of Tyrod Taylor regularly. Yeah, and I, I would rather have Tyrod Taylor. I think I would too. Um, so let's go to running backs. You guys want to do risers or fallers first? Any... I'm good to go with uh, my riser. All right, go for it. So fresh out of unranked territory for us comes Terrence West, right? I know we're huge on Danny Woodhead, and rightfully so. I don't want to say that we're off on that. But, you know, there's, there's a two-pronged attack with most – running back situations and if Danny Woodhead is put into more of that third down role and only that third down role it's only Terrence West who's going to come and take that from him Mm -hmm. the only other running back that they have right now Buck Allen is more of a third down guy than anything he was only used as a three down back when they were depleted. Right. And they like him ago. so much that they brought in Danny Woodhead <laughs> off an ACL injury. And Terrence injury. West and Kenneth Dixon. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so what I'm saying is Terrence West was hard to predict last year, and that was kind of the knock against him, right? He actually finished very high. But what we can do with Terrence West this year is predict him much simpler. I mean, there's going to be a real easy pattern to predict with him upcoming like I have him ahead of Spencer Ware now a guy that I really don't like but I see him as a year like a wire to wire asset whereas with Spencer Ware I don't yeah Uh, Scotty who you have uh, moving up in your ranks um my biggest riser in my ranks was Ty Montgomery I had him down at 22 and I think it was just a little too low for how high his ceiling could be Especially I play in a lot of PPR leagues. I think this guy has the potential to really have an unbelievable season where he's going to be running against boxes that are going to be non-existent when he's running the ball. So for his his yards per carry, you got to figure is going to be up there with the best. He had a great elusive juke rating last year, so it shows that he's pretty elusive. Um, and obviously, you add in the part where he's a receiver which makes him, you know, obviously one of the best pass catching backs in the league. It's one of the coolest things that's happened in the NFL in recent years. Yeah, it's, like just it's, out of nowhere, middle of the season, he's like, "Yeah, you're a running back now. Go for it." It's just so interesting yeah. that you know they were like, "You want to try this out," kind of thing, and he did. And then they were like, "You know, you're pretty good at this, man. You should you should keep it going." And he's gained muscle, and he seems to be looking like he's doing better. One of the things that someone might knock against him was that he actually fumbled in the preseason game, but. I read all the reports and like they, it, it seemed like they didn't even care that, that was, he fumbled. The the Packers' first team offense played ten snaps in their first preseason game. He fumbled on the fifth snap. They went back out for their next drive, and he was with he was out for every snap of the next drive. Right, and he had, in, so, 
in the game. Yeah, he was in the game. The field. Yeah, out on the field. And he had, I think it was like one of his first starts, he had some fumble trouble last year, but then didn't fumble for the rest of his time. So they're not really worried about that right. over there in Green Bay, which is great. And, you know, he's one of those homegrown guys for Green Bay, which we love to talk about. They And they love to see flourish. And I don't know. I just think that it's setting up for this guy to walk into 60 receptions. Yeah. And if you're in a full PPR league, he, he could easily be RB1. Yeah. I said this um, when we did our running back rankings. No player's stock improved for fantasy football coming into this year by his team doing nothing. Than Ty Montgomery because you know there was the Packers traded up to get the first pick of the second round and everybody was talking about oh Dalvin Cook's still out there do the Packers roll a dice on Joe Mixon they don't everybody was the Packers were rumored to be interested in Adrian Peterson they didn't get him they and it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz it was like you had a running back on your team the whole time you just didn't know it <laughs> you know like you had a heart all along cowardly long whatever. Um, so I'm gonna get corrected on that immediately, but whatever. The two um, man had he wanted a heart. The yeah, cowardly yeah. lion wanted courage. courage. Yeah, it's okay. Thanks. Um, I now have the courage to give you my running back riser, a guy I was completely wrong on, um, Carlos Hyde. I had him at 19. I've actually moved him up to 10 um, because I think if he gets a whole season under his belt, I think that's where he could be. And this is this is the effect of the Zeke Elliott suspension. You know, he was my third ranked running back. And now I'm, I kind of looked, I was like, I guess I got to put Hyde at 10, you know? Um, I thought for sure things were just looking worse and worse and worse. And, you know, and then every single thing we've heard about him since training camp start has been, okay, I guess they're still going to roll Carlos Hyde and, and good for him. It seemed like he really wanted to fit the system rather than, you know, try to force his release and find a team that was a, a better believer in him. He just showed up and said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and you love a guy like that, even if it's not like, you know, statistically backed, like p- fantasy owners want a guy like that on their team. Cause they know that, you know, his heart's in it. Right. And, you know, maybe that affected his update and rankings for me, but you know, like the heir apparent that they got Joe Williams, he was third off the bench for their first preseason game. Like Hightower was in before him. He ran only with reserves. So they didn't even give him any first team snaps. So I think Hyde's definitely looking like if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a consistent option for people throughout the year. And we don't have a lot of consistent week to week options at the running back position this year. And he's a guy that'll fall in your drafts and you can probably exploit that for a great value pick. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's, um, you know, it's tough because, you know, um, here we are, what was it, maybe two weeks ago or so, and Tom was praising our our Joe Williams, um, you know, our Joe Williams uh, recommendation. And now we start to see, like, okay, maybe it isn't Joe Williams. This backfield is looking like it's going to be really, really hard to predict. I read an article saying that um, a lot of people close to the 49ers expect Kyle Juszczyk to catch 50 to 60 passes for them out of that backfield, too. Got 50 targets last year with the Ravens. Right, thank you. And uh, so it's it's looking like it's going to be really hard for you to figure out what's going to happen week to week unless Carlos Hyde emerges like you think he's going to and kind of like I think he's going to and really just show that he's the rock steady back on yeah. that first and second down. All right, so let's talk about now some running backs that um, were are falling. I'm going to start with an obvious one. Uh, I've got Doug Martin. I had him at 27, so not a guy I was looking at to possibly start for my team, but uh, a guy that... Um, a guy that we really, a guy that I just really don't really believe in. We talked about, you know, Jaquiz Rogers was very good in in relief of Doug Martin mm-hmm. last year. They've already said there's no guarantee that he, you know, he's basically going to have to earn whatever playing time he gets when we he love comes Jaquiz. back from his suspension. And we as a podcast love Jaquiz Rogers, and so that's why I've got Doug Martin. You know, I've got him in running back four range, which I think even still might be too risky of a pick, especially if you can get a guy. Get you know a guy a rookie like uh, Samaje Pirine or uh, Dalvin Cook around that area. So you know just a guy that I'm I'm really not drafting, and he's haunted me because every year I don't have him. He goes he's really good, and for every 1400, year I have him, he stinks. Four hundred. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. yeah. He goes for 1400 or 400 yeah. So yeah. I was just so. trying to, you know, right. supplement what you were right. saying. Right. Okay. So, 1400 uh, so, 400 Yeah. So, Tom, you kind of alluded to it before, but uh, who is your falling running back? Yeah, I gave a little spoiler alert. Uh, Spencer Ware. I have him falling down at 29, which, you know, brings him out of the RB2 category and into the RB3 category, which 
is obviously still someone that is in contention for starting in fantasy lineups, Mm -hmm. but I'm fading on him being reliable. The same way that I think Terrence West can go wire to wire, I truly do not believe Spencer Ware will. Um, You see it happen with the Chiefs in just recent time. We've had Jamal Charles. We've had Niall Davis. We've had Charkandrick West. We've had uh, Spencer Ware. I'm probably even missing one. How about uh, Larry Johnson supplanting Priest Holmes? <laughs> Many moons ago. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little back to the beginning of my uh, my series right there. But you see it a lot. And what happens when that happens is they only go with one guy. It's not this running back by committee thing. And when people are predicting that with um, Hunt coming into the into the What's the expression? The yes, thank you. Coming into the fray. <laughs> Great pants. <laughs> <that, laughs> yeah, with Hunt coming into the fray, it, Spencer Ware has this low touchdown rate. What they were concerned with him last year was, so we're going to give him a chance to go have an experience to experience the whole season, right? That's what Andy Reid was saying. And then he fell off in production. So granted, he experienced the whole season, but I don't think he experienced it in the way that the team yeah. wanted him to. And I think Hunt is just the next in line to try it out. I don't think he's the truth. I don't think like right. he's the next best thing, but he's the next guy in order. And that's just seemed to be the trend with the Chiefs. And especially if things go south for the Chiefs this year, which you know I don't think it will. I think Reed's a great coach. they got a great defense. But if it does, Mahomes and Hunt are going to be in the backfield for the Chiefs to end that season. And that means that Ware and Alex Smith, you know, I'm sure nobody's looking at Alex Smith unless they're in a two-quarterback league, but you know that's the kind of guys that are going to get the axe. Uh, so, Scotty, who are you falling out of love with? Um, one of the, the guys run? that I actually was was pretty high on, a lot higher on than than a lot of other people at the beginning of the year, and it's just because of his his injury. It's it's Latavius Murray. Um, you know, he's had that nagging nagging ankle injury. He just got activated off the PUP, and he's just getting into the fold of practice now, which I like to see. That's good that he's getting in now. But, of course, you see Dalvin Cook really shine in that, in that preseason game. Obviously, first game, you know, take it for what it's worth. He looked good. He, he was he very showed, involved, which yes, is what people yes, love to and see. Yes, and he was very involved, too, which makes you think that, okay, maybe this kid's really going to be this involved when he starts getting these reps this early on as the number one back. Now Latavius Murray is is clearly the second guy on the depth chart. He's running with the second team, and it just starts to build that that negative connotation towards Murray where he may not get out on the field as much as I expected him to, and that's why I had to move him down from 28 yeah. to 38. And right. Dalvin Cook also looked good receiving, yes. so it could just push all those other guys out of the way as right. well. Right, right. Uh, so let's get back to a positive note. Scott, give me a wide receiver who is moving up in your rankings uh, in this preseason. <laughs> Any guesses? Um, Julio to one. Julio to one, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, Tom. That is a very good guess, but no. Um, Odell after the catch he made in practice today. Oh, what a beauty that was. Check that out on, on uh, my Twitter. I, tweeted yeah, we've, I think we all that. retweeted it today. Yeah. I think everyone in the world did. They should have. <laughs> but um, the receiver that I've risen the most on – over this uh, preseason, besides Cam Meredith, would have to be Terrell Pryor. Um, speaking of great highlights, this guy makes a circus catch and, every single day. And think about who he's making these highlight catches against. Like it's not just like you know schmo seventh round cornerback draft pick. It's, like it's Josh yeah. Norman and, and Breland, who's another good corner. Um, he's just such a physical freak. I think that he learned really more how to play the position and how to beat top corners last year with a bad quarterback and you start to see this rapport I see a lot of pictures on Twitter of Kirk Cousins and Pryor having private conversations high five and tapping each other on the helmet it looks like they're really building their relationship and I think it has a lot to do with what you guys know that I really love when a quarterback goes to receiver I just I you know I really like that I think that they have such a better understanding of what the quarterback wants because ultimately that's what a receiver needs to provide it needs they need to provide what the quarterback wants i think Ty, i think terrell Pryor knows that very well and he's combining it with a skill set that is like you know he's more physically gifted than almost any receiver in the league yeah. so the sky is the limit for this guy i think the receiving core and his team is pretty banged up too so you get what just Targets to him at practice. Reps, More reps between reps, them, which we reps, always reps, love to reps. talk about. 
Yep. Uh, Tom, who are you? Who's rising on your ranks? Well, I'm gonna go with another chief here, but uh, I'm rising. Are you a member on, of the tribe? Yeah, I'm a. I'm rising on Tyreek Hill big time. So I was not as high as everyone else on him coming into this season. I moved him up to 23, so now he's in that wide receiver two conversation for me. I'm liking him more and more. I was saying that I would see him being a PPR option if they're going to hit him in the screen game, which bears repeating that the Chiefs throw more screens than pretty much any team in the NFL, Mm -hmm. especially to the tight end. But now when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill who's so explosive out of the backfield, wherever you put him, it makes sense to get him involved in that game as well. When he runs such crisp routes and has such breakaway speed, when you look at the comparable stats of Jeremy Macklin when he was all alone on the Chiefs, he still had 1,000 yards he had 87 catches, he had eight touchdowns, and he was averaging 12 and a half yards a reception. Wide receiver, two value. Yeah, and I think Easily. that when you look at that, people are like, oh, is there going to be another wide receiver to uh, come to the forefront next to Tyreek Hill this year? I don't think so because when it was Jeremy Macklin, we were never saying that, right? So he's either going to be Jeremy Macklin or a little bit better. And I actually think he's going to be a little bit better than Jeremy Macklin because of all the different ways to get him involved. Those screen passes, those rushing attempts that he gets, things like that. He found the end zone just as many times as Jeremy Macklin did in that whole season in his limited run that he had last year. So I think that the Chiefs receiving core experiences a boost because of Tyreek Hill, but it's going to come in many ways. It's not going to be that traditional... Uh, right, receiving he might, option. He might not get 80, 85 catches. He might get 65, but he'll have, it seems like he'll have way more total yards than Macklin or any other receiver they could try to trot out there. Exactly. Right? So I think that the, the sky's the limit for him in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I kind of like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very back ended. If you're, if you're trying to go not, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be zero receiver, but like if you have Pryor and Tyreek Hill on your team, I'm pumped for it. Who you. you could get like three, four, or oh, four, five. Well, Tyreek Hill is even dropping even further. I think he's even dropped. I've seen him in mocks going to seventh, Sad. sixth, which is it's entirely dropped. it's entirely too far. I think that's also what has warmed me up to him because in the beginning he was such a hype guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so we're gonna move on to the receiver who's rising for me, and the reason that I saved myself for last here is because the receiver I have for my riser is the receiver that Scott has for his faller. So we're just going to present our sides of the argument, and I guess, Tom, you'll have to, uh, Be the to deliberate. The player in uh, in question is Golden Tate. Would you like so, to lead off? Yeah, I, I want to lead off if you don't mind. Go I ahead. just think that with so much talk, what 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 are the most of the people talking about with the um, with the Lions? Who's going to get those red zone targets? Kenny got all day. That, right. There's talk <laughs> about Kenny got all day, who had two, who had a touchdown, <laughs> two or two touchdowns. Thank you. Um, in his preseason opener, he was making what I called man catches before we uh, started recording. Man catch Monday. Right. There you go. <laughs> I should have. Oh, man. We should have done something from the Instagram. Maybe we'll do that now. Um, but anyway, uh, I just feel like we're all talking about the red zone targets, the red zone targets, the red zone targets. Well, between the 20s, there's one option. There's really, he's number one and he's number two. Golden Tate. It's find Golden Tate on his route or wait until Golden Tate finds something open if he's covered on his route. So he has Stafford's trust. The Lions love getting him the ball. If they don't get him the ball enough, he's going to say something and they're going to start getting him the ball. So he's really slump proof in that way because he's not afraid to speak his mind about how the offense is going. And he's right. When they run the offense through him, the Lions play better. Their passing statistics were not great when they tried to feature Marvin Jones last year. When Tate spoke up, they started feeding him more in the slot. They're already working, they said, on working him more in the slot this year. I think he's going to get – I think he, he's, he's he's a very big candidate to set a career high in catches. So in PPR leagues, which, as Tom, you mentioned, is now the standard for ESPN leagues, I think, it's a, I think he's a great value pick. He's going fifth, sixth, seventh. And this is a guy who's easily going to get you 80 catches. Right, so – I was looking at his numbers too, and his his numbers are are good. He's never had lower than ninety catches since he's been on Detroit. For me, the reason that I I pulled back on him is because the guys around him offer so much more upside than what he can give you. The he's only ever gonna give you four touchdowns, ninety catches, 
800 to maybe a thousand yards whereas the guys that are coming off the board directly after him uh your jarvis landry's um and a lot of um, i mean for me terrell like priors terrell Pryor is coming off you know there's just Devonte adams who has I've, scored i've like built my own rankings and looked at them like yeah so sternly that i'm like trying to think of the people but they're not actually like the people that are getting picked around him <laughs> it's kind of confusing but um Anyway, getting back to my point, you know, I'd rather take a risk on Alshon Jeffrey, who is a number one receiver on a team, than take Golden Tate, where you're going to get maybe a touchdown every three weeks. Um, he got, yes, he did get a huge boost. Also, lo- they also lost a ton of short targets to Theo Riddick at the end of last year when he was hurt. Um, Marvin Jones looks I think primed for a comeback, at least a bit of a resurgence where he can just steal weeks entirely from Golden Tate, rendering him useless. Kenny God all day looks like he's about to dominate those red zone looks that Alan Bolden just lost. And it's just looking like more of the same for Golden Tate for me, which doesn't make me want him anymore. Tom, care to break the tie? Um, I don't want to declare anyone a winner or loser here, but I just think it matters on the league format, right? So Scott's almost arguing more of a less PPR route, and Don is arguing more of a more PPR route. So if you're in full point PPR, you know, Golden Tate might be a safer play. If you did have that Alshon Jeffrey already, so now you're sort of you're uh, hedging your bets in your receiving core. But if you are playing standard, those touchdowns are worth so much, Scott. So like getting a Terrell Pryor, getting a Devonta Adams, guys who are going to score way more touchdowns and where, where those receptions for two yards only count for 0.2, you know, it, it, he's not the most enticing option. So you just got to weigh what your team's made of and what your league expects of players. I'm Perfect. not acting like I astronomical. I didn't bury him. He's just a, he's a flex <laughs> for me now. He's yeah. just not a guy I'm dropped. Yeah. And I've got him. You as buried a guy. him. <laughs> I've got him as a guy where I, I would want to take him as my wide receiver too. In a PPR league, and you you read it perfectly. Like that was specifically what I was thinking about. But there's so many leagues now that are either half or full PPR. So that's kind of what was informing my thinking. Tom, what receiver have has fallen uh, from your ranks? The receiver who's fallen for me the most is Jeremy Macklin. I know it's been a Chiefs centric sort of thing for me. Obviously, a good reminder is that he doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore. He plays for the Baltimore Ravens. Right, and you had Terrence West too. Oh, I had Terrence. Wow. Sorry, I got lazy. I only looked at two teams. No, I'm just kidding. But these guys are really moving a lot in my ranks, um, and understandably so, if you ask me. Steve Smith last year played 14 games, had 799 yards next to Mike Wallace. Jeremy Macklin is going to be next to Mike Wallace. You know, there's a lot of talk. Last year his hamstring was hurt. He was dealing with some personal stuff. But when I read you the stats for the Chiefs, were you blown out of the water? You know, it's... it's not that crazy. Like he's only going to have somewhere in between that 799 and that best season he had on the Chiefs over there. I don't see him blowing the doors off with the other options that they have with the quarterback as Joe Flacco. No offense to the guy. I mean, he's not dialing up prolific receivers anymore. But he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and he can people forget that. And I never ever so will. So he's elite. but what i'm saying is there's mouths to feed over there um i think the backfield is going to have a bigger impact which obviously goes to show that i think terrence west is rising jeremy macklin is falling i just think that he's his adp right now is reflecting somewhere where you absolutely need him to be to have him return value for where you're drafting him versus someone around him kind of the same way scott was cooling on golden tate I think there's better around Jeremy Macklin than for you to draft him high and expect him to be an every week starter because I just don't think it's going to be that way. Yeah. Um, my falling wide receiver is Emmanuel Sanders. I just, there's so much we don't know about this Broncos offense. How are the backfield carries going to be divided? Is Jamal Charles going to be a passing down back? Are they going to try to get him more carries than CJ Anderson? Are they going to try to keep CJ Anderson involved in the passing game? Also, who's going to throw the ball to these guys? And Sanders was very up and down last year. He could explode for two touchdowns, but he's being drafted sort of in that wide receiver three, wide receiver two range. I can't take him there. I'd much rather have him at like my wide receiver four at best 
just because I don't know when he's going to pop off. And because of that, I can't really, I don't really feel like I have any, have a lot of faith in him. I, I agree with you fully. I, I mean, there's, there's not much else yeah. to say. All right. Well then let's move on to tight ends. Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about the Eagles, so I'm just going to kind of wrap up that discussion. My rising tight end is Zach Ertz. I had him at 11. I moved him up to eight. I couldn't justify putting him ahead of Tyler Eifert, Jimmy Graham, or Delaney Walker, but I think he could get there. Um, think, let's think about this. Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, new additions to the team. Alshon's made a glass. Torrey Smith's career has been streaky at absolute best. And then we've got Nelson Aguilar, who was on the roster bubble as early as or as late as July 15th before camp started. So there's just a lot going on around Carson Wentz, but who's still there? Zach Ertz, who quietly turned in a very strong end of the season last year. Sure did. So I'm I'm big on him. I have him as my starting tight end in the celeb league. Granted, I should point out that I did draft Hunter Henry. So if you're not too happy with not getting one of those top seven tight ends that we've been highlighting, maybe you want to take you know a tight end behind Ertz. But if you can get Ertz in the 10th round and then take another guy in the 13th, 14th, 15th, I think he can be a position winner by the end of this season. A guy who's going around there too is Jack Doyle. I'm obviously rising on him now that the news comes out today that – uh, his counterpart, Swoop, is going to have to have arthroscopic knee surgery. So it's really just a blue ocean for him. It's free and clear. Jack Doyle is the number one tight end in Indy. The problem is, is Andrew Luck, and the advantage is Andrew Luck. So he's not going to be overdrafted because of the question marks about Andrew Luck, but when you get a backup quarterback in there, who's the safety blanket? The tight end. And when you get Andrew Luck, down the road, because he's going to play sometime this year. There's no question about that. You're going to get Jack Doyle. There's no way. I mean, I'd bet anybody anything right now that Jack Doyle is, he's certainly going to outperform his ADP this year. Agreed. I mean, we've been talking about it for, you know, since before we started the show. And the case is only building in a positive direction. And building and building. And I I agree with you. I think that he's, um, he's actually a, a darn good football player and his play is going to show throughout the year, which another guy that um, I've been rising on a tight end position um, who's been pretty unproven actually is uh, David Njoku. My plum pick for the tight end for this year. That's right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gaining all I'm aboard. I'm ho- I think I'm hopping on the bandwagon, Don. It seems like Osweiler, unfortunately will be the starting quarterback. <laughs> we will have to witness another season of Osweiler as a team's quarterback. Three teams but in three years. What does that spell for? You know, it spells well for Anjoku, in my opinion, who looks as though he may end up being the number one receiver on this team. I, I think that Kenny Britt can come in and do pretty well, but um, like we've said, Osweiler has really not shown the propensity to be able to deliver the ball to a wide receiver. And you put that's DeAndre Hopkins. And you hit and you put such a great athlete like Njoku in the middle of that offense. He has a lot to learn. He has a ways to go. But I really like his upside and I like his physical ability. And for you dynasty players out there, he's twenty years old. Right. That's he'll be around forever. Yeah, you, know, you can get him for fifteen years maybe. I, I moved him up, you know, from like buried to around starting to get in that tight end two range. I want to see how he does in camp, how he performs with Osweiler. Just a guy I'm warming on in the tight end position. For sure. I mean, and and tight end's so fluky. So, like, it's tough to get three guys that each one of us is differently. You know, like, the Jack Doyle pick was great from Tom, but, like, I wanted to use Jack Doyle, but kind of ended up feeling like I should just use Zach Ertz because I knew one of the two of you was going to pick him. So. And you already used Njoku as And I've already pick. used Njoku, right. right. So, uh... <laughs> So, yeah, let us know who's been rising and falling on your uh, player rankings. Uh, let us know at RutzFF on Twitter. We're also at RutzFF on Facebook and Instagram. You can hit us all up individually on Twitter. I'm at WhySoSerious. Tom is at HillierFF. And Scott is at WagsFF. Also, please do not forget uh, to give us a five-star review on iTunes. And in your review, ask us a question about the fantasy football season. It's next week. Next we week. are reading the reviews next week, so for those of you who have been putting it off, you know who you are. We know who you are. It's time <laughs> to get off your butts 
or actually you can stay on your butt. Just take your phone out of your pocket. It's actually probably in your hand right now. You're probably staring at it while I'm talking to you. Very disrespectful. <laughs> take it out. Go to the podcast app. Type run you into the search bar. We come right up. It's very convenient. We're actually um, ninth on the list if you do run space too. Whoa. Yeah, we're making moves. <laughs> Moving on up. Um, and just leave us a five-star review. Ask us any question. Do you... Do you think this is a cool team name? I just mock drafted this team. Can you give me a grade? I'm thinking about going uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the third round. What do you think about that? Whatever's coming to your mind, whatever's keeping you awake at night about fantasy football, we're we're here to help. We want to help. Uh, if you give it to us in the form of a five-star review, it'll get read on the show next week. We'll get everything answered so that next week, which is really like the prime draft week, it seems like. I, fe- I feel like all of my leagues are drafting by the time... Uh, our next episode or our yeah right after our next episode drops so uh so it's time you know get excited and get those five star reviews in we'll uh we'll get everything answered for you next week uh guys one last chance name a player that we didn't talk about today that you're looking at anybody i was just gonna say they take a couple seconds or not seconds a couple days almost to populate those five star reviews so get to them quickly um, guy that we didn't talk about yet. One of the guys I've been liking recently, Rob Kelly. Nobody is really talking about him. He's still number one on the on the depth chart. I've read that uh, P. Ryan is having some issues fumbling. He's having some issues with pass block. And these are things that Rob Kelly was able to show that he was solid at while he was on the field. And that's how he got the job last year. Seems like it could be more of the same. We talked about him last week, but Tyler Lockett, um, Richardson in front of him or battling with him is actually now dealing with a shoulder injury. So I think open space for Tyler Lockett and in your standard leagues, your bonus leagues, anything like that, that wide receiver two spots open for him. Deshaun Kaiser. Ooh. The preseason. I'm falling for the (laughs) preseason highlights completely. I'm falling for him. Uh, But let us know who you guys have been uh, thinking of. Get those five-star reviews in. That's your homework for next week. And uh, until next time, keep scoring.